Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 30% off your new account for three months, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP13. This week on TWIP, Adobe releases the Lightroom 4 public beta, Nikon announces the much-anticipated D4, and some updates on Olympus and Kodak. It's Wednesday, January 11th, 2012, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo, your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today on the show are Mr. Steve Simon and Nicole Z, also known as Nicole S. Young. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. Nice to... I haven't talked to you in a while, Fred. I know. You, you, and like I said, every time you're on the show, you're like a submarine that every now and then the periscope <laughs> comes up. <laughs> Yes, I've been holding. We my never breath. know where he is in between. Yeah, exactly. You come up, you launch a missile, you go back down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I've been holding my breath, uh, you know, for this moment. You got I a can... lot going on, though, Steve. I know you. You mentioned that you are you're off to Dubai again, right? Yes, yes. I will be going to Dubai for the Gulf Photo Plus, and I'll talk a little bit about that later because uh, I'm I'm happy to be invited back to it. It's it's a great event. Uh, uh, and it's in Dubai, which is this amazing, you know, place. And there's just so much to photograph there. But, uh, yeah, Gulf Photo Plus, I'll, I'll talk about it. I made it my pick. It's a little bit, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Self-promotional in the sense that I'm going to be there. But there are going to be a lot of great people that are going to be attending this year. And I'll, I'll talk more about it, including, uh, you know, David David Burnett, David Hobby, the strobist, uh, Joe McNally, Zach Arias, Gregory Heisler. Um, man, it's it's a really great yeah, David Tejada. It's a great lineup. It's a great lineup. And you know, my problem is always when I go there is that I'm, you know, they got us working. We can't sort of sit in on other people. And I, you know, I would love to to listen to many of these guys, you know, talk. So we'll see. Maybe I'll get a an opportunity outside um, outside when I when I have a break in the action. But I'll I'll talk about more about that. That's March fifth to tenth. And um, Mohammed Samjay, who is the uh, one of the heads, along with um, Hala, there, she uh, he um, said that for TWIP listeners, um, they're, they're going to have kind of a two hundred and fifty dollar tuition fee if someone wants to make the trip from far from afar to come here. Um, they're going to offer uh, a TWIP listener a $250 uh, tuition help. Sweet. And uh, so that's pretty sweet. We'll just have to figure out how we award that. We will figure <laughs> that out. I have we'll my figure. ways. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. All right. Well, cool. Welcome back, Steve. Nicole you. Young, you're also here. What's the uh, What's been going on in your neck of the woods? Well, I'm I'm back in Seattle. I've been traveling a little bit, you know, Vietnam in November and now and then uh, New York for a couple weeks over the holidays. So it's kind of good to be home and getting back to work. Yep. 
How was that? How was New York? Did you uh, take a lot of black and white photos and all that good stuff? <laughs> no, I um, actually did a lot of time lapse. It was, it was just kind of, I was there with my boyfriend. We were just visiting family and, you know, doing the holiday thing. But I went to B&H, you know, I got to see the Mecca. Oh, of yeah. Nice. So that was, uh, that was exciting. And yeah, yeah, yeah I, I just, I didn't really do a lot of stills. I mostly did, like I said, time lapse. I'm I do that just kind of like my hobby within photography. You know? Yeah, you've been doing that for a couple of years now, doing the time yeah. lapse stuff. I remember when you first started getting into that, and it's uh, since then it's taken off as sort of like the big thing, right? Yeah, well, I, I enjoy it. It's just kind of relaxing for me, and, and part of the reason I enjoy it is because I I really love the editing process after the fact and I piece everything together and put it to music. It's that's kind of the production part is what I really enjoy about it. But I plan on getting kind of, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm finishing a pro I'm working on a project right now. And as soon as I finish it, I'm going to go ahead and buy myself one of those dynamic perception dollies that have the intervalometer. So you can do moving time lapses. So that's uh, in the hopefully near future. I'm going to be, um, doing that kind of takes time lapse up to a whole other level. <laughs> hey, Nicole, I'm I'm really sorry I wasn't home when you tried to call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so yeah, that's okay, Steve. <laughs> I forgive you. Nobody ever calls me. Everyone comes to New York. Nobody calls. Alex, oh, I was. Alex lives here. He never calls. <laughs> Fred, don't tell me you've been here too. Just two or three times. Just, oh, you. That's it. You know, there's just so much to do in New York, Steve. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. It was so crazy. It was like nonstop every day doing something and you know, you that, know. But yeah. B and H. I'm I'm always looking for a B and H opportunity to sort of spend money vicariously through other people spending well, money. Next time I'm in New York, I'll give you a call. We can meet, okay. have a coffee and go to B and H. Absolutely. All right. It's okay. a deal. Hey guys, I'm looking at our show notes and through the magic of Google Documents, I noticed that Andy Biggs is poking around in our show notes document. I'm going to see if I can't get him into the show. And he's in my Skype list, too. So I'm going to bring wow. him in right now. Let's see. That's so cool. Like, you know, celebrities poking around in the, in the show notes. <laughs> there he is. Hey, Andy, how are you doing? Nay, I'm feeling unloved. <laughs> <laughs> I was just telling him I was looking at the show notes and I saw your cursor in there poking around. <laughs> So, and there yeah, like, you are. Welcome, yeah, welcome yeah, yeah. to the TWIP, man. Yeah, the WTF moment. Like, what's Andy doing in there, man? <laughs> <laughs> He's changing stuff around. Oh, I could have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, and Nikon announces the D2. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Dude, you're giving me some really good ideas. Time machine. Hey, Andy, we were just going, we were just doing like the initial round table going around and seeing what everybody's up to. Um, Nicole just finished. What, so why don't you just jump in and tell us what you've been up to over the last couple of weeks, months? I just got back from Antarctica. Of course you did. Of course, <laughs> as one does, right? You know? like, I just got back from the dark side of the moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I led a trip down there with some other photographers and uh, we had 68 wonderful travelers and decided to take a big, long uh, ship down south. It was a blast. It was a blast. It was definitely new for me since I'm kind of a primarily Africa guy, but um, just had a blast. No, had really you been there before, Andy? No, I. I. This was my first try. Oh. My first try. Yeah, and and what a great, what a great honor to go to a place that not many people have seen. Yeah, or um, will seen because it's, you know, it's mm. melting, right? Yeah, what a really I mean, I don't know, I just I still can't get my my head around the my, the 
the photographs that I took there and the memories I came home with. But I, I will say this. The Drake passage for two and a half days, getting there and coming back, are horrible. <laughs> really? Why? What's horrible about it? Well, you know, if you like 30 to 40 degree pitches uh, on your oh. boat. Yeah, where you basically relegated to lying down in your bed for two and a half days. Ooh, I was man. in the Navy and I get seasick. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I want to go to Antarctica so badly. So I'll have to, like, you know, overdose on um, what's that stuff? Dramamine. <laughs> that was, I got to tell you, that feeling is one of the worst feelings I've ever had. I was, uh, man, I was in Hawaii on, and my girlfriend and I went out on this catamaran. And a wave zigged when it should have zagged. And man, <laughs> I was under, I was like, there was like no sickness I've ever felt in my life, that seasickness. Well, Dramamine, Dramamine does not work for me. Uh, nor does, um, forgot the other drug, uh, Scopolamine, hmm. which are the little patches that go behind your ear. Um, and thank gosh, I had a friend who's an anesthesiologist on the ship. And he had some Zofran for me, which he carried. Of, would he have a little doctor's bag on the ship? Are you kidding me? Of course, nice. <laughs> of course, yeah. So these these are the drugs that uh, you know cancer chemotherapy patients use, oh. uh, oh, as well sounds as sounds little, little Michael Jackson to me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, and this is uh, anyway. It worked great. It worked. It worked great. But still at the end of the day it's a lot of lost time getting there and coming back wow. i look forward to my next adventure there as as well as a 2012 filled with more african safaris that's awesome so so aside from the sickness the the trip was worth it image wise it was we had mostly overcast and nasty weather the whole yeah. time so it was uh it's an exercise in cloning out a lot of snow and skies right now wow um Another kind Andy, of Andy, you're not you're not selling me on Antarctica here. <laughs> well, you know, cloning and drugs. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, it's just it's just a rite of passage the way I look at it. Okay. But here's the cool thing: is that Leica sent me down there with an S2 kit, mm. uh, which that's a lot of fun to shoot with, and you just kind of get you kind of get addicted to these larger medium format. And you know the type type images. So yeah. thirty seven megapixels. Suddenly, I'm talking myself into buying an eighty megapixel system this year from Phase One. So really? We'll so yeah. you're in love with the with the more pixel thing? Then I kind of am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sue me. All right. All right, guys. Speaking of more pixels, let's move on to our first story, which is about Nikon. They've announced their brand new high end body, the D four. Yes, of course. It's the, the the flagship model right now is the D3, and now it's going to be replaced by the D4. So let's talk about that first. Um, Steve, you are affiliated in some loose sort of thread way with Nikon. So what do you know about this thing, and why should people care about it? Well, I mean, I think uh, anyone who's uh, had uh, professional Nikon cameras is, are always interested in, in what the next pro body is going to be like. And mm -hmm. I think in, in many ways the D4 is really um, more of an evolution than a revolution. I think when Nikon went from the D2 to the D3, it was a really, um, it was a, it was a really uh, strong statement in terms of, you know, at least in the, the, the battle with Canon, if you will. I mean, the D3 was a game changer in terms of high ISO, um, it was just it's just an amazing camera and then of course the the D3s came out and they they upped the ante again um, they kept all the good stuff in the D3 but they made the high ISO capability 
even better. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of us thought that, uh, you know, if they stop on the D3S, it would be fine. Um, you know, when it went up to 102,000 in high boost mode, and I think I've said on the show before, it, it became really the first camera that would allow you to take a decent shot of the inside of your lens cap. Yeah. And that's probably pretty true. And now the D4s come out and it's a lot of, you know, really nice change. You know, I haven't seen the camera. I haven't played with it yet. But in looking at it on paper, um, it, it, it wasn't kind of revolutionary in terms of the changes, but a lot of tweaking. They, they didn't go crazy with, uh, pixels. They, they added a little bit. It's now 16, um, million megapixels over 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, the highest, high ISO, um, the, the ISO range kind of stayed as is, um, except the high boost mode now matches the new Canon over 200,000 ISO, which is, remarkable to even think about. I can't even get my brain around those numbers. Sorry. I know, I know, it's crazy. But I mean, you know, there, there's really nothing we can see that we can't photograph now. And there's a lot that we can't see that we can now photograph, you know, with these cameras. Yeah. Um, and the autofocus uh, hasn't really changed in terms of the focus points. They still have their 51 points, but they've, they've improved it. You know, they've made subtle improvements under the hood, their X-Speed processor, that the speed of the autofocus, the, the, the sensitivity of the autofocus has been improved. But there were, uh, there were two big sort of feature changes to this, the one being video, right? So now this Nikon is, is playing catch-up to Canon on the video side, so they added HD video to the D4, and also they introduced the QXD format and replace the cf slot with this new format right now well they yeah they didn't replace this they replaced one of the cf slots now of course video now this camera is an amazing video camera and i'm not a big video guy yet but the word on the street is that this camera now is kind of the standard it took a while but you know, like the sta- was- wait a minute that's a strong statement the standard because <laughs> right now canon canon has a camera that we'd call the standard the 5d right or Mark yeah II. no i think this one um and you'd have to sort of go through the specifics and you know the video people will have a, a much better uh take on this but yeah. from my understanding it, it's got everything and more that um that the canon you know has not their new you know video camera that they they announced um but yeah they've got this new card and that's the one thing that i find a little bit annoying because it's got a CF card and now it's got this new um, format, which yeah. is going to be faster, smaller, you know, better, but more expensive at the beginning. But now you're going to need two different cards for this. And I find that to be a bit of annoying, but maybe that's the price you pay for progress. It's the first camera to incorporate this new this new um, card. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of tweaks designed. Now when you shoot horizontally and vertically, it kind of feels a little bit better. I suspect that um, the autofocus now, they've got, you know, face detection, which may work, you know, and the old system was, you know, the 3D and all that stuff didn't really work that reliable, reliably. Professionals generally stayed away from it. We'll see how this new um, X-Speed 3 processor uh, works with the autofocus and, and see how that goes. Um, so there's a lot of tweaks. The battery is actually, I think because of new standards in Japan, the battery is actually a, a disappointment. It's not as, um, it doesn't hold uh, as much of a charge as the original one. And it's not backwards co- compatible. Of course, you need a new charger, a new batteries but uh so what about, what about buying advice steve so say you're someone that has a d3 the original d3 <clears throat> and you've been waiting patiently I'm, I'm speaking about myself you've been waiting patiently for the next 
iteration of that camera to come out, should should that person, me, go buy this D4 <laughs> or wait for the D800, which is rumored to be coming out? Well, listen, I mean, it really is a, a, a question of your own sort of personal preference on the camera that you use. If you have a D3 or D3S and you like you know, the, the large body and, and uh, you know, the speed. And I love my D700 and D7000 way more than the D3. I well, you. then, you know, I would say, Fred, maybe hang on and, and, and wait for the D800. I mean, and from a sort of financial point of view, this new camera is is more expensive. It's $6,000. So I think that, um, you know, the, the, the upgrades are not absolutely substantial from the D3S. And, you know, the D3S is such a sought-after camera um, for with good reason that I think that the D3S will hold its value pretty well. We're going to have to wait and see what the tests are because the ISO range is the same. Because we've got more megapixels, I mean, there is that slight possibility, unlikely as it is, because I can't see Nikon coming out with a new professional camera with high ISO capability that is not better than the previous version. But we still haven't seen sort of, you know, results. But I, I suspect if you have a D3S in good condition, you can probably sell it for about 4000 So cost upgrade is $2,000 uh, yeah. for the new body. Yeah. That might make sense for working professionals, of course. If you have a lot of money, you know, it's a no-brainer. You, yeah. you probably want to have one. But, uh, you know, the, it's a big camera. So if you're not, if you, if you're not used to the, the, the large professional camera, if you don't find that it's something that, uh, that works well with the kind of stuff you're shooting, then you might want to hold off if you're waiting for a successor to the D700. Got it. Andy, now, you, what, are, what are you shooting when, you, when you're when you gallivanting around the world? Is it Nikon or Canon? Yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm kind of both, to be honest with you. But my kind of bread and butter is a D3. I never upgraded to the D3S. Mm-hmm. And a D3X. So I, I'm stuck between a 12-megapixel camera and a 24. Mm-hmm. My go-to camera is the D3X. I want the biggest file size I can get. Yeah. Um, but the minute I think I have to start shooting at a higher ISO or need the frame rate, I, I, I go to the D3. And I shoot with two cameras that are mounted to lenses at all times. So I'm... I'm I can't wide just, in a telephoto? Well, like a 70 to 200 and then a 200 to 400. I mean, okay. I'm a wildlife guy, so that makes sense. But, yep. you know, the, the D4, to be honest with you, is kind of on paper exactly what I would want that I could buy two of, which is the, a balance between file size and, and, a, and a good higher ISO. So, uh, you know, I can kind of get behind that camera. And um, the thing that's very intriguing to me is that it seems on paper right now that the D4 might actually take, a, take the crown for a video-type uh, kit um, for someone who really needs high-quality video. So... We'll see. We'll see. I, I think it's exciting. So does that mean that, that you've placed your order with B&H for two of these things? Um, no. Truth be told, I'm actually selling off my big lenses and the most expensive of my cameras, picking up some Canon gear, and then I'll rent gear for each Safari that makes sense whether I want to shoot with Canon or Nikon. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm moving to a dual system. Wait a minute. It sounds like you're switching to Canon. That- no, no. The problem is that these cameras that are coming out faster than I can maybe afford to buy them all. Yeah, and they're getting more and more complicated. And my Safari customers expect me to know their equipment, mm. so I need to know both systems. That's just that's the way it is. And I switched from Canon to Nikon three years ago, so it's not like I forgot Canon or don't know it. I just I need to I just need to know both. So what I'll probably do is 
own one camera on each system, rent a second camera, plus a long lens for a trip. Now, Nicole, what about you? So I know you're not an icon shooter. You made the switch over to Canon. Mm -hmm. Do you think 2012 is the year that you're going to jump into a different camera body at all? Or are you going to stick where you are? Well, I actually, if 5D Mark III comes out, I'm... I'm buying one probably as soon as it's at picture line. I've got my name on the list for one. <laughs> wow. So I'm, I'm planning on, on getting a new one. I actually, cause right now I have three SLRs. I have the 7D, which was my first Canon. I have the 60D, which I bought that because I wrote a book on it. Mm-hmm. And I have the 5D Mark II, which I got used, which it works great, but I wanted a full frame. And ever since, and I loved, I loved my 7D. It's still a great camera. But ever since getting that 5D, it's kind of been like my new best friend. <laughs> so I've been shooting everything with my, um, my 5D other than time-lapse. I use my 60D for that. It's just kind of my dedicated time-lapse camera. So that's what's in your bag right now? That's what's just... in my bag. My, and I'm actually uh, planning on selling my 7D. Uh, so that's because I'm like, if I'm going to buy another camera, you know, even having two SLRs, that's enough cameras to have in my bag. Totally. And mm-hmm. plus I have my Fuji X100. So I have enough cameras. And so I'm like, I can get rid of one of them, make uh, some money, get some money off of that, and then put it towards my next camera body, which is a smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do plan on getting, when, I, when it comes, if, if when mm-hmm. the 5D Mark III or whatever they end up calling it comes out, um, it's very likely to be something that I'm going to want, you know, with all the features. So I'll probably get that and then have my, uh, other full frame, my backup slash second time-lapse camera or something. I don't know. I'll find a use for it. But. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk more about that time-lapse stuff later, yeah. but hey, you Fred, know, can I, can I ahead, just go ahead, see. Andy, a question, um, Andy, because you're using, um, you know, both systems, obviously because your customers on, on the workshops that you do, um, you need to know both, uh, in general terms, um, how would you kind of uh, sum up your experience with the Nikon system versus the Canon? Not, I'm, I'm just curious if you yeah. have an answer to that. I don't know. Yeah. You know, what, what works, That's what doesn't. Really, really great question. I would say that um, one, if, if one chose either system, they're going to be happy. Let's just first say that. And it really is kind of a splitting hairs thing. I moved over to Nikon three years ago only because of one thing, and that's that they had a 200 to 400 f4 lens. And from a, a wildlife photographer's standpoint, that's perfect because that's just it just fits me like a glove. <clears throat> With that being said, Canon is going to have theirs out at some point whenever they finally get it out of the door. But um, I'm happy shooting either system. There are certain things that I hate about both and certain things I love about both. I love the flash system on the Nikon. Um, I like uh, a little bit more lens selection on the Canon side. I like the wide angles on the Nikon. Um, I like certain lenses that Canon has that Nikon doesn't, like a 300 f4 that's image stabilized. Nikon doesn't have that. Uh, Canon has a 400 f4, the diffractive optics lens. Um, So, you know, I'm kind of, I just kind of throw it up there. But until the D4, got to say, Nikon really hasn't had a good offering f- from a video standpoint. So, yeah. yeah, and what, what makes the D4 so attractive to me is that now I can leave behind my, my wireless lav mics and my Zoom audio recorder to have to sync and final cut and all this really challenge because the D4 has ding, ding, has audio uh, level uh, adjustments built into the camera finally. Yeah. Well, that's that. For, so for a guy like me, that actually is good because I use video not so much just of shooting wildlife, but I'm going around taking um, testimonials from my customers with big smiles on their faces, and I want to hear what they have to say. 
and I don't have a lot of time to set up all this audio gear. And I certainly don't want to put an uh, an outboard audio device on the bottom of my SLR. It's just kind of right. it's more gear to to take through customs, right? Yeah, what a what a pain. So you know, I I, I am so agnostic. I really don't care. Um, <laughs> but okay, and, here here's the here's the loaded question: If you're on a desert island or you're out in the <laughs> desert, Serengeti, and someone says you have to take one camera body with you and one lens, which what what would you take with you? I take a D3X with a 200 to 400 f4. Nice. There you go. All right. Yeah. Cool. For what, what about I you, Steve? Mm. What's I would your, take a. What's your desert a, island camera? Well, probably a D4 with a 24 to 70. 24 to because, 70. Yeah, because I'm I'm on the desert island with with Andy. He's got the long lens. I'll have the wide. You're changing the rules of my universe <laughs> here. You know what? But but here's the deal. Since I haven't seen the D4, my answer was a D3X. Mm-hmm. But yeah, once no, the, I, I, the the answer will probably be a D4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Nicole? If you're you're stranded, what do you, what what would you want to have with you? I would bring my 5D Mark II with a 70 to 200 f/4L. Nice. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> Nobody said anything about tripods or anything. All right, cool. Well, you just said camera and lens. <laughs> <laughs> it was a trick question. <laughs> Tell us the rules, we play by it, and then we get slapped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's my universe. I can make up the laws of physics however I want. <laughs> All right, guys. The other the other thing in in the the notes that I wanted to touch on briefly is Canon also uh, announced a new master compact. I'm holding up quote fingers uh, with a large sensor camera. It's called the G1X. And um, it's basically they're they're saying it's their answer to the mirrorless camera craze. So our resident Canon expert on the crew, Nicole, who wrote the book on a Canon camera, what do you think about this camera body? Well, I I've never I haven't used it yet. I've had a little bit of experience with the G11 and the G12 just by either using someone else's camera and, and playing around with it. But I will say, as far as the sensor size goes. Um, I think it's awesome, you know, mm-hmm. increasing the sensor size. The thing that the sensor size on the G1X is really close to the size of a crop sensor camera. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're the thing with small point and shoot cameras is that, you know, you're fitting tons of megapixels onto a, like a fingernail size sensor, and so in result, your quality goes way down, especially at higher ISOs and low light. So if you have a larger sensor, then you you know capture more of those more of that data on a larger area. You're just going to get better quality. So um, I mean, personally, it's I think I'm I'm not really in the market for a point and shoot. I have I have an X100, my Fuji X100. I really love that for and you know it has an APS-C sem- sensor and a great lens on it. So I use that when I want to just have like a walk around camera or just use my iPhone. So as far as point and shoot goes. Uh, I'm not really, you know, planning on buying this, but yeah, I think and that's, that's kind of where I was going with this. I mean, the the point and shoot cameras, and I, you remember, I was a and continue to own a G9, and a, <laughs> you know, those cameras are like little tanks. I mean, they're yeah. they're just bulletproof and they last forever. But I I can't remember the last time I took a photo with my G9 because of my iPhone. Yeah. You know, and if I'm if I'm going to take quote real pictures, I'm probably going to take a larger camera with me. Well, so and like is for there me, room for these? I don't, well, like, I don't know. For me, like a testament to the fact that I don't really need one of these is I was at a, a, a Christmas party or holiday party for an, a, another company with my boyfriend, and I actually won. I won the big prize. It was like a you know I won a Canon G12 camera, what? and I gave <laughs> what? it away as a gift to someone. You gave it away. I gave it away as a gift uh, oh. because I 
I didn't need it. You know, it's, it's not, if I added it to my camera collection, it would just sit there and collect dust. I have a 7D and it collects dust. Yeah. You know, my Fuji X100, actually it's off getting a warranty repair right now, but it's been kind of collecting dust over the last month because I haven't really been using it. So I'm like, I don't want another camera to just collect dust. I want to give this to someone who's actually going to use it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't know. What about you, Steve? Do, do point and shoots fit into your world at all? Um, well, you know, like you guys, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the camera companies are, I'm sure, I hope, realizing that, uh, you know, the most popular cameras are the ones that, you know, you have with you. And, of course, the, the iPhone is becoming, you know, it's it's the most prolific camera, I guess, on a lot of these sharing sites with good reason. It kind of reminds me of, you know, when we had the Palm Pilot and the cell phone, you'd have different devices to have one you know, device that allows you to take pictures and send it and send video and get decent results um, is pretty convenient. It kind of takes the place of these cameras. So these cameras have to separate themselves. That's why the the bigger sensor compacts, you know, usually get the more serious photographers a little more excited. You know, the Canon one, if you're going to carry around a camera, you know, that little, and it, maybe it's not that small, but that camera will certainly give you a different measure of quality than, um, you know, an iPhone would. And, you know, the, some of the other mirrorless cameras do the same. The sensor is a little big, bit bigger. Then you can look at, you know, the Nikon 1 system. A lot of photographers went, you know, look at that sensor. It's so small. Mm-hmm. And then when they started to use it, they realized, man, this camera is fast. And yeah. it, and the results are, are great. And it's, it's like magical, that little Nikon 1. Yeah, it's not about the sensor size. Listen, I've I've made big, beautiful Costco 12 by 18 prints for two ninety nine each from my iPhone 3GS that blew up and and kind of blow people away that's an iphone 3gs which is a 2.7 megapixel iphone so you know in a perfect storm of conditions when the light's right and the camera chooses a the right shutter speed and gets the exposure right on an iphone (laughs) you can get beautiful results yeah but you you can't one thing you're missing on a smaller sensor size you can't get that shallow depth of field you can get with a larger with a larger sensor yeah no no question but at the same time you know again you know if you use it uh in a way to sort of maximize what you can get with it Absolutely. You can get, get good results. I'm not saying that um, I'm not going to get the D4 because I want to you know, use my iPhone. Obviously, you know, there are limits to what you can. It depends what you want to do. There are a lot of photographers that use pinhole cameras that use these Diana and Holga film cameras with light leaks, you know, get great results. So it's, it's all about what you want to say. Yeah. What about you, Andy? Do you, do you carry along a little point and shoot with you when you're packing your gear bag? Yeah, I'm a Sony Nex system guy. Um, I've got a, the older, now discontinued Sony Nex. Uh, what is this? I'm looking at it. It's a Nex Five, and uh, I love the small kind of you know APS-C size sensor deals because I'm a shallow depth of field, high ISO snob. Mm-hmm. Got to be honest with you, and I love shooting my family with these types of cameras because it's. It, I, I don't know. I just kind of keep it in the car, and I walk around, and we go to parks all the time, and I just shoot stuff, and I have fun with it. Um, the X100 is also something I love lusting after. Um, this new Canon, since we're talking about that, uh, I'm not sure it's something that I would buy. It starts to get a little bit on the large side, it appears, mm-hmm. um, and it's got this huge mega zoom type approach, which I don't really want. I would rather just have one good, fast, prime lens kind of approach like give me a 35 equivalent 35 millimeter equivalent and i'm happy Mm -hmm. and um but i think it should do well 800 bucks i don't know about that that's that's a tough one that's a tough one um if i'm spending 800 bucks i'll uh, 
since I'm a gearhead, I'll talk myself into an $1,800 camera for sure. Like yeah. the new Fuji that just got announced yesterday. Yeah, the uh, X Pro One. Yeah, what do you what do you think about that one? That to me looks a lot more enticing because the three lenses they're throwing out there are all fast primes, and I'd rather have that with a camera that's you know not very large. Like it's like an M9 size from mm-hmm. Leica, and uh, it just seems to be better thought out. It's more than double the cost though, so it's not the same market. Um, but I would I would probably buy. That Canon over something like the new Nikon J1 or V1 system. Well, well Steve, yeah. did, you, did you get a look at the Fuji X-Pro1? Yeah, that's a camera I wouldn't mind being marooned on a desert island with. <laughs> it's, it's got the retro look. It's got uh, – I mean, I, I'm a sucker for those cameras. I mean, I've, I've always wanted to love the Leica, and I've used them, and I just – you know, hadn't really. I, I've grown up with SLRs from the very beginning, and I'm just faster with them, and I miss pictures with the the other cameras. But but this one looks really sweet. It it just kind of hits all the right notes. Uh, you know, it looks great. Fast prime lenses, bigger sensor, um, relatively small package. You know, you can carry the camera with a few lenses and roam the world and do great things. So it looks. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how. Um, you know what what the quality is when when they're out and being used yeah well and i can i can guess nicole that you probably don't care about this fuji since you gave away a camera <laughs> <laughs> well you know i have the x100 <laughs> i have the x100 and i love it I, i'd say the only thing i don't like about the x100 is that it's very slow focusing so there you, you can miss things you have to kind of expect to photograph things a certain way or only catch certain things because you're not going to be able to just, you know, like an SLR can just like, you know, really quickly capture focus and take the picture. Yeah. It focuses well, despite the rumors. It actually has really good focusing capabilities. It's just slow. But the well, reason that, I that got- would be bad focusing capabilities. <laughs> well, no, no. I'm saying it actually is in focus when it focuses. Got, That's when yeah. it focuses. Okay. So, but with the, with the new, the X-Pro1, it's an entirely new system of cameras. The, the appeal of the X100 for me, aside from the larger sensor, was that it's a very simple, minimalistic camera. It's just one camera and a lens that takes beautiful photos. And I don't really want to have to get into an entirely new system of lenses and spending more money. I mean, if someone were to hand me the whole system and say, this is great, or, or let's say it's really, really crazy fast, maybe I would buy the Fuji with like a 35 millimeter equivalent lens, use that instead of my X100. I would consider doing something like that, but I'd still want to buy more lenses. So it's kind of like, I don't, it's, it's just an idea that I don't really want to get into because I have a Canon and I spend enough money on, you know, photo equipment yeah. as it is. I don't really want to have another system of lenses. What, what I'd want to make sure I want to send this out to the TWIP army listening is, you know, we're, this episode, we're talking a lot about gear and we're going to talk about software next. But the important thing is if you have, if you have any sort of digital camera right now, just be out there shooting. Don't be lusting after the next thing, you know, just be out there making photos and learning and, and getting your brain around how exposure, composition and lighting and all that stuff works together. And the gear can come later. You can know. I read? A, can I read a quote real quickly? Yes. I put this on my blog this week. I've been re- I'm reading through this a really great book on lighting called Light Science and Magic. Yes, and I, that. I was reading through yeah. I think, like the second chapter, and there was this quote that just caught me. And here's the quote: Successful photographers depend on the photographer more than the equipment. Inexperienced photographers work best with the camera with, with which they are familiar. Experienced photographers work best with the camera they like. 
These human factors sometimes have more to do with the success of a photograph than the purely technical principles. Yes. So I like that. Like, that summed it up better than I've ever heard it said before that the, it's not all about the gear. I use the camera I like. So because of that, I'm going to get better photos. Whereas somebody else, if someone likes Nikon, Pentax, Sony, whatever you shoot with, if you like it or you're just familiar with it, if you're new, then you're going to you know, be successful. I like to think of it like you're, you're like a secret agent. You're like a James Bond and you get trapped behind enemy lines in some <laughs> precarious situation and you have no weapons and you manage to disarm some, some evildoer and you grab his weapon. You should be able to use that weapon. Right. I mean, all the mechanics of it are the same, you know, and in the photography sense, lighting is and composition and exposure is all the same. Yeah. The dials and knobs and all that stuff may be in different places, but the fundamentals and physics of light and optics are the same. You know, they don't change. It's it's, it's not the um, it's not the cameras, the photographer. That's, that's kind oh, of what I'm saying. Wow, that's profound. <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't need a D for it. Yeah, I was talking to someone. I was talking to someone uh, yesterday. They were like, "Yeah, I hate it when people say, hey, that's a great camera you have there. It must take great pictures.' You know?" Right. And I was like, "Yeah, that's like saying to a chef, hey, this souffle <laughs> tastes delicious. You must have a great oven. Yeah, <laughs> or great knives. To, you have great knives. This, uh, <laughs> this X100. I mean." And Nicolzi was talking about, um, you know, the speed of the autofocus. I mean, the great Cartier-Bresson used the Leica camera. They used the, the hyperfocal distance where they'd mm-hmm. set their camera to, you know, F11 or whatever. They knew everything from like three feet to nine feet would be in focus. So they did. It's faster than autofocus. They would just go in. They would know their equipment so well. They would just shoot and without having to kind of do anything but frame and fire. It looks as though... This camera might be, you know, in contention for that. It looks like you've got the the lens openings on the lens on this X100. It looks yeah. it looks pretty interesting. So, no. All right. You well, know, you know, the, here's a, before ahead, we go, go ahead, on. I, I got something to say. Chris, <laughs> to go ahead, say. Go Sorry. Um, you know, I, I gave some thought as I was starting to sell off some of my big lenses and move over to some Canon stuff. I actually gave thought to going out and buying an $800, $700 SLR, like a digital Rebel, with a kit lens and went around for a year and used nothing but that. Granted, I would have a backup just in case. But but literally, go be the guy with the entry-level camera and prove that it's not the gear. You can still come home with compelling photographs that may not – the equipment may not take the photographs you think you have to have, but it will come away with images if you think about how you can play to its advantages. Yeah. And, and, but, but then I, I kind of backed away from that thinking that my customers would think I was being some sort of ego guy or something. But, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting approach, and I'd love to see somebody do it, you know, somebody that's really visible like a Chase Jarvis or somebody just, just grab a, a crappy camera, not a crappy one, but you know something that's very entry level, kit lens, and just run with it and say, make photographs. Yeah, I think it's Scott, Scott Bourne was saying, I think it was last year or the year before, that he was going to do that. I think it was around, I don't remember when it was, but he said he was going to make a put a challenge out there. And I'll have to remind him of this. I think we may have forgotten about it. But he's going to put a challenge out there and, and give someone a camera, and then he was going to shoot with a entry level, like an iPhone or a point and shoot. And shoot a similar situation and see if he couldn't replicate and do the same thing they, that, that they did. I think that would be a great test. Yeah. All right, guys. So the, another big story that hit 
uh, recently or this week was Adobe unveiled Lightroom 4's public beta with loads of new features. They finally, ding, 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 ring the bell, got video support, um, brand new shadow and highlight controls, new noise reduction, white, all this stuff in there. Plus, you can make books. They partnered with Blurb, the book, the ebook, or not ebook, but uh, online bookmaking service so that you can make books directly from Lightroom and oh, send so them over like to Blurb. So it's like Aperture now. So it sounds like Aperture. <laughs> 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 you know, I was counting down, waiting for Steve to say <laughs> something like that. Anyway. All right. So, uh, Steve, obviously you have not even downloaded the public beta because you don't care about it. But, Nicole, what about you? Have you downloaded it and and punched around in there a little bit? Yeah, I did. I downloaded it. And the last, you know, it's only, I think, a few days ago as of recording this that they actually announced it. Or Mm -hmm. it was like yesterday, I think, that they announced it. So, um, yeah, I've been playing with it. Uh, So far, I like it. It's, you know, the thing is, you don't really work on. I guess work photos or serious photos when you use a beta (laughs) because you don't want to mess anything up. So I've just been kind of putzing around in it. I haven't really been seriously editing anything, but you know, there's some things that I really like about it. There's in, in currently in Lightroom, there's a black slider. Now there's a white slider Mm -hmm. that I thought that was really cool. Uh, you can geo, you know, geotag your photos and save it to the metadata there. There's some really neat things about it. I think that in the blurb thing is kind of cool. That's a really great, um, company that they've partnered with. I've published or you know printed things through Blur before, and I really like the quality. So that that was kind of a nice, Very nice cool. to hear that. And just just for the record, um, <clears throat> when you load a beta like Lightroom for beta, it's not going to import, or you can make sure you can. I don't think it by default imports your does any sort of moving of your images around. So if you have an image hierarchy on your hard drive that's associated with another Lightroom library, and you load the beta, it's going to install separately. And you can point it at those source images, and it'll build its own previews separately from your main library. So you kind of have the best of both worlds there. So it's not, you know, like Nicole said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing any mission critical work in there. But you can launch it and point it at your directory, you know, a directory of images, and have it pull them into it. And it's just going to reference them. It's not going to move them around or do any editing. But be advised inside the application, if you're moving folders and that sort of thing inside of Lightroom, it will move them in the file system on the hard drive and potentially screw up the other version. So my suggestion would be make a small library that's dedicated to Lightroom 4 beta and play with that sort of in a sandbox environment. And then yeah, you're that's also- what I did. I have on my desktop, I just have a folder called Lightroom 4 beta test and I'm just throwing folders or photos in there, copies of photos like DNG files or um, videos because it has a new video feature. Actually, you can uh, do small edits to videos and even export them. So that, you know, so I'm throwing different kinds of files into just this one folder and syncing it and just trying it out with those new files, especially with iPhone photos. I'm trying to see, you know, those are the ones that are going to be geotagged already. So I was playing yeah. with that, but I do want to plug, um, the NEPP site, mm-hmm. they have a really great learning. They do this for every release of yep. every version of Photoshop and Lightroom. Of uh, So they have a, a learning center for Lightroom 4. And it's photoshopuser.com slash Lightroom 4. Yep. Um, so you can watch the videos and find out all the new features about it. And it has links to download it and stuff too. Yeah, and we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Yeah, every like you said, every version of Lightroom, they, they basically... Well, you know, the Kelby team has like access before the thing even gets written, you know, into what's going to go into it. So they know in from a, from a inside DNA level of how to teach you how to use the application. So yeah, definitely look into Photoshop user on that. 
Um, so Andy, are you a, what are you using for your post-processing? Is it Lightroom or? Yeah, I'm a big Lightroom guy. I'm, a, I'm also on the beta team and oh, I'm just, gl- I'm just glad that I can actually talk about this. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the gag is off. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there on the, my Antarctica trip with, with 68 paying customers. And every time I'd open up Lightroom 4, I'd have to go huddle in a corner and make sure nobody <laughs> saw what I was doing. But, uh, you know, Lightroom 4 is really cool. I just want to the audience to, to understand that if you upgrade your existing catalog, which I would not recommend doing with a beta, mm-hmm. but if you happen to do that and you want to make a change to a photo, to a, to a quote unquote recipe of a prior image that you processed using the processing engine, uh, not 2006, but 2010, I think. Yeah. Um, when, when, when basically when version, uh, three came out, um, you need to watch out that the minute you say okay and you want to move to the new processing engine, that it's going to look pretty bad. You're get all, all the sliders don't have counterparts in the new in the new software. Why is that? So, uh, it's just the way it is. I mean, like you, you know, in, in in Lightroom three and before we had uh, exposure, blacks, and brightness. Well, well those go light too is not unless yeah. it's free. Changed into a different name, but it's not even existing. In exactly. Yeah. Some things were added. Some things were taken away. And I like Phil Light. Phil Light's gone. <laughs> the poor man's Phil Flash. It was great. Yes. Exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I'll, but I'll tell you something. I, I'm processing my Antarctica photographs, which is basically all ice and snow, and there's so much detail that's near white that I couldn't get out of Lightroom three. That Lightroom four just allows me a little bit better control on it, oh. and I'm happy. I'm, I'm really happy with it. So, so you're not you're not feeling you mi- you're missing anything that's that's been taken out. Oh gosh, no, no. It, it's it's a it's a learning curve, and and uh, NAPP or Linda or whoever you get your information from for learning, uh, they're gonna get flooded with work, <laughs> with business because it, it it's it's new. It's not the same. So it's not it's not a it's not a okay. They added a few things and they tweaked this thing and that thing. It's it's more revolutionary than that. Are you saying? No, it's it's evolutionary. But okay. I like the, I like the new processing engine. But it's new and different, and you just have to think about things a little differently. That's all. Oh, don't make me think. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Good. So. Excellent. So yeah. Steve, so what's uh what's new with Aperture? <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, Aperture's had all this stuff for the longest time. So, I, mean, I wanted to give you a chance to say that. I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't missed anything. Listen, I guess uh, it really doesn't matter what you're using. I'm, I'm just happy that people are gravitating toward Aperture and Lightroom because mainly for the cataloging function of it because it allows you to, you know, maybe find a needle in a haystack, you know, three years from now because we're all dealing with growing archives of digital imagery and you know, having a great, uh, you know, post-processor makes things a lot easier and being able to back up easily. The other thing I guess that we're all grappling with is, you know, having a system. I'm looking at my desk now and I've got, you know, I've got some Drovo, Drobos, I've got some Western Digital Drives, I've got some GTECs. And, you know, I would like to kind of figure out a way to, to simplify my entire archive without having to spend, you know, thousands of dollars every couple of years. But, uh you know, no, no, really easy answers on that. But uh, you know, the post processors are really in a good place for us now. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's exciting times. Really good stuff. 
All right, guys, before we move on to the next story, I want to take a moment to remind the TWIP audience that our Facebook and Google Plus pages are live and, and waiting for you to communicate with us. So jump into the conversation, submit your questions, comments, etc. And you can get to any of our online presences by just heading over to thisweekinphoto.com. And on that on our homepage, you'll find links to uh, basically everywhere in the social universe that we exist. So please check it out. All right. Story number three is quickly wanted to talk about um, some companies that are experiencing less positivity than Adobe and Nikon, as we just talked about, but Olympus and Kodak. So Olympus, um, basically we're, we're reporting that they were having troubles earlier in the year, but on a positive note, they've revealed that they're working on a new camera with an epoch making viewfinder now i'm trying to understand what this is and andy i'm have you looked at this at all i have to say i have not <laughs> <laughs> i mean epoch making viewfinder I don't yeah know what you mean. yeah i'm feeling bad yeah. about this so but e- a- even when you look at it uh frederick uh it still doesn't really say very much uh, i know I, that's what i, I know i was looking at it and trying to dig through with it so let's say it's something interesting from olympus <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it's similar to the hybrid viewfinder that's in the x100 but uh, we'll have to dig more to find out about yeah, what they're they, doing. They, Plus, they Olympus is at CES <laughs> is going on right now in Las Vegas, where Alex Lindsay is, and that's why he's not on the show. But they also unveiled seven new compact cameras <laughs> while they were, you know, and they're exhibiting there. So they're, I guess, the the main message is, yeah, they uh, hit some bumps in the road, but they're still around. Olympus is still kicking. Yeah, it's not there. the engineering department's fault that the accounting department screwed up in a big way, I guess. It's still a uh, a great company from the engineering standpoint. Right, right, exactly. And speaking of great companies, Kodak is restructuring amid their continued rumors of, or the continued rumors of bankruptcy. And it was uh, noted that they're facing a possible delisting from the New York Stock Exchange. So that is... Uh, that's sad, you know. Please don't take my Kodachrome away, you know. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, going- but they've got a they've got a patent portfolio that just is amazing. You notice that a couple of days ago they brought out. Uh, I want uh, is it potential lawsuit or they are filing a lawsuit uh, against Apple. So I mean, like, hmm. go go for the jugular, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll it see. sounds like it reminds me of that Monty Python skit where the rabbit was sort of in the corner going for the jugular. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, I love Kodak, but you know, what's it going to take for them to to come back? And can they? Is it possible for the Kodak brand to come back and and become relevant and viable yeah. again? What, what I do mean, you guys think? we're we're photographers, guys, and and I think you know, I think a lot of us know that they made these great digital sensors and they do own all these patents. But like, what does Kodak do today? You know, as a professional photographer, it's been hard for me to kind of really figure out where they are and what they're doing. Um, and that's, I think, a big part of the the lost at sea. Um, where where they've been these last couple of years, and and why that they're, you know, almost uh, you know ready potentially to to go extinct, which is really sad. Yeah. But uh, they haven't really kind of um, put out a a a uh, a kind of map of what who they are and where they wanted to go. I guess they've just been drifting. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Well, well, we will uh, 
we'll continue to report on them and, and keep an eye on what's up with Kodak and Olympus and Nikon and Adobe as things move forward in the photosphere. It's all, you know, interesting news. And 2012 should be a really interesting year. I mean, we're starting out already with all this stuff, and it's only the 11th. So it's, uh, it's interesting. 11 days in, and the world's already changing. So story four is President Obama has joined Instagram. And what this really means is his staff has started an Instagram account. <laughs> so I don't know if this is significant, but the, the spin on this that I wanted to take is, you know, it's services in... So Instagram is an iPhone application. It's, you know, it's some guys that created this cool iPhone application that just ignited and took off like wildfire. And now presidential... You know, the the president and presidential candidates presumably will be starting accounts and all this stuff on that. Um, it, are services like Instagram that influential that that the president needs to be on there? I mean, do people really care what he's doing from moment to moment? I don't know. Nicole, I'll throw it to you first. Well, I I actually went to the on Instagram. I went to his thing and I, I, I started following him. But if you notice when you pull it up, it says something along the lines of, you know, this is just, this is like the, you know, the, the staff posting photos, but they also Intern, say yeah. if you have any, uh, you know, 2012 election photos for Barack Obama, then, um, put a hashtag on it. So they're, you know, they're trying to pull it's smart, but they, you know, they're just trying to, it's not really a organic, Hey, let's join Instagram and get in with the people. It's a, Hey, let's try and flood everyone with, you know, get them to post all these photos and we'll get them to post the photos. So we don't have to do as much work. And right. I mean, it's just, it's just <laughs> politics. It's, I, I don't, you know, know I love- it'll be one of those things where like, who was it? John Mayer who had a Twitter account for a while just to promote his thing. And then he canceled it after his yeah. you know <laughs> concert was whatever was over. It'll probably be the same thing with that. They'll, it'll probably die off at, you know, at the end of, you know, the election and whether he wins or he loses, it's, you know, it'll go away. Yeah. My, my problem with Instagram is I don't know a way of accessing the, those photographs or streams other than on my iPhone. Right. Well, you can go to the Instagram site, but, you know, and I think it's, it's similar to a Twitter kind of yeah. unique URL per user. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to bring up it. You, you also talked about the White House having a, a Flickr stream and, yep. I tell you what, you, I would encourage um, everyone to sort of check it out because it's just a reminder of what the still photo does that, you know, video just does not. If you just kind of go through those Flickr photographs and they're taken by, you know, Pete Sousa is the sort of official guy, but there, there's a staff of excellent photojournalists there. And you're going to see, uh, you know, albeit uh, an orchestrated behind the scenes of what goes on at the White House. But you can look at those pictures. There are, there are some great images there. And you can sort of see things that you you would never notice if you're looking at a video. And, and there's still, you know, we think in still images. The still image is not dead. I, I almost kind of lament the, the direction we're going with DSLRs and video. There's so much emphasis on it that, in a way, I think it's distracting uh, some of the manufacturers. they got to do what, what the market uh, demands. But um, yeah, I would I would look at those uh, Flickr White House photos and 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 see 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 how you feel about them. See how it uh, how you feel about the still image when you look at those. Interesting, cool. All right, folks, it is time for some listener Q and A. This is a segment when our guests answer questions that have come in from our audience via our website, our forums, the Facebook group, Google Plus, Twitter, etc., etc., etc. And on Twitter, you can use the hashtag um, #TwipQuestions to submit your questions 
to get them answered on future shows. Um, uh, we've got time for one question right now, so I'm going to throw this one. I'm going to read this one out, and whoever feels like they want to answer it can jump in. Um, this one from Twitter, Pixel Grind, uh, or Pixel Grind on Twitter says, why isn't electronic or why isn't the electronic shutter an option on most DSLRs so you can go beyond the one twenty four one two fiftieth of a second hard sync speed for off camera flash? There's two things here that I think people in the audience probably need to understand that electronic shutter versus a mechanical shutter. Mm-hmm. And uh point and shoot cameras have most point and shoot cameras have electronic shutters where basically the pixels there you have a certain amount of pixels on a camera sensor. And some of those pixels are used as the electronic shutter or part of the pixels are used to operate the electronic shutter. So that way the shutter turns on and off just electronically instead of having an actual curtain going back and forth, which is what happens on DSLRs and mechanical shutters. So the downside to that is that you lose, um, you get more noise and you lose quality because you have fewer pixel area using you know, collecting data and collecting light. And those pixels aren't going to be as sensitive to the light as they would be on an SLR. So I think that the reason that most SLRs are going, or digital SLRs are not going to have an electronic shutter yet is because you'd be sacrificing quality for electronic, for an electronic shutter. So And and with the night, yeah, with the Nikon system, of course, um, you can, uh, with high-speed sync, you just have to set it in your menu options, uh, you know, sync at any shutter speed with a, a Nikon um, flash. So even at one eight thousandth of a second, you can use your flash, albeit it, it works perfectly, but it does draw a little extra power. So you might want to have a, a backup battery or one of the, the quantum or other supplemental batteries. But the great thing of using a fast shutter speed with flash is you can get that selective focus that uh, Andy and I like so much, and I think we all do. Um, so you can shoot wide open for portraiture, use flash, you know, in the field on a ugly, sunny, harsh day. You can compete with the a, sun, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can overpower it and get beautiful, beautiful results. Wow. Andy, you have anything to add to that question? Um, you know, with that being said, I, um, about electronic versus, you know, other shutter, you know, you're right. Nikon and Canon, you can use high, high sync you know, flash anything over one to fiftieth of a second. Yep. And uh, and with that, you know, I just remember having a it was a either one one twenty fifth or one one sixtieth of a sync on my old Pentax six seven. <laughs> yeah. So so one two fiftieth seems real fast. The problem is is that is that with flash everything is duration based, not power based. In other words, if you say I want to flash something at half power, it actually stays on longer versus actually gives you more power it doesn't it's always the same uh, quantity of light it just stays on longer okay if that makes any sense yep. well with high speed sync what it's actually doing is it's, it's acting like a strobe it turns on and off multiple times within your shutter uh speed so if you want to sync it at one sixteen hundred of a second it might pop out four blasts within that time Perfectly okay. synchronized with the shutter coming down right it, exactly the problem with it is it's actually not on very long so you actually have less um, effect. You, you don't have as much flash to work with. And it does overheat the electronics, so you have to really watch out because you can melt the flash if you like rely on it too, too much too fast. Yeah. In other words, if you're shooting every couple seconds doing it uh, repetitively. 
you know, I think I think for people to get their brain around this, they should because it's 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 once you understand what's happening with high speed sync, it it clicks in your brain. But until then, it's like looking into the fog. So grab your camera manual or go to KelbyTraining.com and look at a Jill McNally tutorial or something or buy one of his books and just go through and, and spend a day, make it a project to understand that particular feature and add that to your tool belt. Because once you know how to do that, like Steve and I were saying before, you can control the sun. You know, you can go out on the beach and use fill flash, you know, on the sun to do amazing kind of things and you just become that much better of a photographer. So definitely check that out. All right, guys, uh, let's give a quick nod to this show's sponsor. It is Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. And Squarespace has an easy-to-use user interface for creating and managing your blog. Um, It's optimized for folks who know how to uh, manipulate CSS or cascading style sheets for those who know what that acronym means. It's um, they've got templates so you can point and choose, pick one and then edit it to fit whatever the needs of your particular site is their iPhone and iPad apps for updating your blog or your website from wherever you happen to be. And if you get into trouble, they've got a 24 hour, seven day a week support resource, a, a special team that is standing by for their customers to help them out of sticky situations. So all kinds of stuff in there, Google Maps, Twitter integration, forms, uh, blog modules, etc. plus robust tracking and analytics so that you can see what's what and where's where. So if you like a free trial of Squarespace.com, just head over to Squarespace.com. Sign up for a free account. You don't need a credit card. Just try it out. Build your website. Then if you decide, yeah, I like this site, you can keep it and use the offer code TWIP13. That's TWIP13. And get 30% off your new account for three months. That's Squarespace.com with the offer code TWIP13. All right. We are at the pick of the week time. This is that time when the guests give their picks of the week, and the pick can be software, hardware, gear, workshop, whatever, as long as it is somehow even tangentially related to photography. (laughs) Andy, I'm going to start with you. What is your pick of the week? Well, you would think as a primary Nikon shooter, I would say the D4, but no, I think it's the (laughs) Fuji X-Pro1. Oh, nice. Yeah, that to me... I think that's that's what excites me. I'd love to see it uh, in the flesh and maybe pick one up. Very cool. The Fuji X-Pro1 from Andy. All right. Nicole, what do you got? What's your pick of the week? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I was in New York and I went to B&H Photo. And the cool thing about going there is the bags and the camera straps and the tripods. There are some of the things they have just sitting out so you can you know actually play with them and touch them. Otherwise, you're just buying things online, not knowing exactly what you're going to get. Yep. And I was looking at, and actually it was kind of a recommendation from a friend as well, but they have these custom SLR straps and it's customslr.com. They're just, they're the, um, you know, the sling strap, the shoulder, just one, you know, they go over one shoulder, go down the other, kind of like a black rapid. And uh, it's really comfortable. It's, um, it's just, it's a little bit different than what I'm used to, but as far as like the hardware at the bottom, but it's just, it's really, it's comfortable. That's really, I guess, the bottom line. So I, check them out. If you like those kinds of straps and you maybe have any difficulty with one you have right now, uh, look it up. I know that they were on, um, what's that? The Kickstarter. It was mm-hmm. a Kickstarter yep. uh, 
thing. Oh, is that they, where they got started with this? Yeah, they got started on Kickstarter. They, they're pretty big. I'd never heard of them until I went out there, though. So uh, I bought one. They're pretty pricey. I think they're along the same lines as any other kind of strap. But you have to get that along the strap along with a C-loop, which is the actual thing that connects to the camera. But they're very you, – you can unsnap it from the strap. If you're holding onto it, want to hand your camera to someone instead of taking the whole thing off over your shoulder. Um, you, if you have a big bulky jacket on, you can actually clip it around instead of having to – you know, put it around your shoulder and it's kind of hard to explain, but yeah, it's, if you like those kinds of straps, I'd highly recommend getting one. It's extremely comfortable and especially if you're walking around all day with your camera. Very cool. Yeah. We'll definitely link over to that in the show notes. All right, Nicole or uh, Steve, sorry. What is your pick of the week? Uh, yeah, I think I'll just expand on uh, golfphotoplus.com. It's uh, this amazing uh, week of photography in Dubai, which is this incredibly photogenic place. Have, have you guys been out there? Mm-mm. I have not. Uh, yeah, I would totally recommend it. I mean, there's so much to see. And uh, there's going to be a, a great people there. It's a little bit more intimate than maybe you're used to seeing uh, Joel McNally and, and David Hobby, although there's still big crowds. But they'll be there along with um, Gregory Heisler, Zach Arias. Um, who else? Uh, David Nightingale, Claire Rosen, fashion photographer. Steve extraordinaire. Simon. Steve Simon. <laughs> David Tejada. Who is you know a lot of a lot of the the flash guys are going to be there. I mean, man, it'll be uh, and they usually have every year they have this kind of show. It's kind of a, a speed light off, if you will, where they'll give uh, Joe McNally, Zach Arias, and uh, you know uh, David Hobby an assignment. They'll all shoot the same models, and you'll see them shoot on stage, and they'll come up with different pictures. It's a lot of pressure. I'm glad I'm not them doing it, but it's very entertaining, worth the price of admission. So if you're thinking about a photo trip, uh, you might want to look into that. And I think, uh, as mentioned, Fred, they they were going to give us um, a $250 certificate to a TWIP listener that's thinking of going. So So uh, just just one TWIP listener or all TWIP listeners? No, I think it's just one trip listener, <laughs> at least for now. But well, they don't want to give away 60000 <laughs> Apparently not. But, uh, you know, 250 bucks. Uh, you know, it's a little bit. Uh, but, you know, getting to Dubai, it's it's not uh, that hard. There's all kinds of flights there. It's, you can get a flight from New York, for example, for – I think I've, I've seen them for like 850 bucks. I was actually shocked to see how, how cheap it was now. But like uh, going to Vegas. Wow. Yeah, just about. Just about. And Dubai is kind of like Vegas, but – Huger and Huger. much different. And Middle East. It's an official word. Nice. And more sand, probably. Right. And much more sand. Exactly. So what we'll do, Steve, I think, to give away this $250 off um, gift from the Gulf Photo Plus people to TWIP is I will uh, send out an email to the TWIP listeners. So make sure you're on the TWIP list and you can get on that by just going to our website. You'll see the form there. Um, Go to our website. Make sure you're on our list and I will send out a notice to um, instructions on how you can get this. So if you're really on, if you're really serious about going to Dubai and going to Gold Photo Plus and that 250 will mean an extra couple of meals there for you, make sure you're on the list and within the next couple of days you'll get an email from us um, explaining how to get your 250 or be eligible for the 250. And that'll go out probably Monday or Tuesday. So this show will be live in your inbox and in your iTunes feed on Friday. So you may be listening to this Friday or Saturday. So by next week, um, make sure you're on the list. I would say by Tuesday or Wednesday, make sure you're on our list and I'll send something out around this time or Wednesday or Thursday of next week to get you all fixed up. All right. 
My pick of the week, I have two picks of the week, actually. The first one is, um, it's another Kickstarter project, Nicole. It's from um, this company called Undefined, and it's the one camera bag system. It is awesome. So they sent me one, and I've been playing around with it. i got to send it back, but they've been playing ar- I've been playing around with it. So basically, this is a, a camera bag, sort of like chic, geek kind of shoulder bag that you can carry a body around in. And a couple of lenses. So it's not meant for you to be like going on African safaris or, you know, heading to the Antarctic with, you know, it's more of, okay, I'm going to go do a photo walk or I'm going to go shoot this thing and I need something light and fashionable to take with me. And that's what they put together. So it looks, you can't even really tell it's a, a camera bag. It's more like a, a laptop case or a satchel or I don't know, Steve, like one of Steve's Merces or something. <laughs> <laughs> It's really cool though. You have to check it out. And well, they're pretty. The cool they thing, have some girly ones too. They've got girly ones and manly man ones. And the cool <laughs> thing is the covers are, are replaceable. They're Velcroed on. So you can rip the cover off and put a different one on there, you know, depending on the situation. I'd probably just keep it as black leather on mine, but you know, you can, you can change them around. And as they come out with new covers, you can buy new covers and stick them on there. So it's pretty interesting. But the interesting thing about it, I was talking with Justin Lin. He's the guy behind this who I'm going to interview. Not particularly about this camera bag system, but more about the Kickstarter system and how they got the project going on Kickstarter. So they started it with no money with a goal of $10,000. And I'm looking at the the Kickstarter page now and they've got 298 backers and they're just shy of 30 grand and the funding was successful. So they put this thing on Kickstarter. They had an idea, they pushed it up there and they got the money to build it. And boom, a company is born just like that from the, from the will of the people. So I thought that was really interesting. So that's my first pick, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So definitely check it out. There's a cool video on their page, too, that explains how the whole system works. My second pick is Selfish. It's my own. So I'm launching a brand new site. It is called MediaBytes.com. And uh, actually, it's just called MediaBytes, but it's at MediaBytes.com. And I've made one of the first resources on the site available for free, so you can check it out. It's called Shut Up and Shoot. It's a remastered version of a series I put out about 18 months ago. So please check it out. All you can do is sign up for it, and you'll get delivered 10 episodes of inspirational audio content directly to your inbox. And you can uh, click over and watch or listen to these audio episodes at your leisure. So please check that out. The official launch of Media Bytes is not going to be for another couple of weeks, but you can poke around and kick the tires on the site now while I gear up and squash bugs to get it ready for the official launch. So please check that out. And if you want to, you know, we'll link to this in the show notes, but if you're listening to this, you want to jot it down. I made a short code to take you directly to the landing page to sign up for this. And it's just at fvj.me slash shut one. The number one, shut one. So fvj.me slash shut one. And that will take you to the landing page for the Shut Up and Shoot product. All right. And with that, it looks like we're at the end of another fantastic. You know, this is my first This Week in Photo of twenty of 2012. My first one. Because I missed the first one where Alex, Alex had to take over and host because I had something going on. So this is my first show. And you guys... Help me enter 2012. So thank you. Hey, 
Our pleasure. So, Steve, Steve, if people are looking for you online, where can they find you on the Internet? Uh, well, I'm still in the process of getting my blog going. <laughs> Steve, you said that in 2009. <laughs> I know, but this year it's going to happen. I'm not even exaggerating. You did say that in 2009. No, You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, the, the blog will be thepassionatephotographer.com. And my my new live book scaler, stevesimonphoto.com site will go live sometime in the millennium. So I'm working on it now. So hopefully before the end of the year, it will happen. So the passionatephotographer.com is not live yet? Not yet, but uh, soon. Okay, I'll put So I'm even talking about it. You're right. I don't know. Got it. I'm trying to force myself to get it moving quick. I'm trying to shame you into getting that thing up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nicole, where, where are you at online? Google Plus, Nicole Plus. And on Twitter, I'm Nicole Awesome. How are you how are you enjoying Google Plus? I love it there. It's a really, really great platform for well anyone, but you know, I'm a photographer, so I see it as a really great platform for photographers to interact and meet new people and share photos. It's, it's you know, it shows photos really big. <laughs> Not like tiny tiny little uh, you know, thumbnails or anything. You're seeing some good stuff and hangouts are great. I love the hangouts. Wonderful. Cool. So, yeah. All right. Look for Nicole in Nicole blog or Nicole Plus for Google Plus. And Andy Biggs, where are you at online? AndyBiggs.com. And I also have my blog over at TheGlobalPhotographer.com. However, in the next two to four weeks, I'm switching everything onto just one domain. So if you happen to go to TheGlobalPhotographer.com in the future, it'll just point you right back to my main website. Rebuilding it out from scratch. It's been six years. Six time. years. Oh, wow. wow. It's time. I like the the old look, but you just got to refresh it every now and then, you know? Six years. That's about how long Steve has been thinking about his blog. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, well, good for you. You're, you know, you're, you're going to beat me to it. Six years, whatever. So. It'll be 2015 and Steve will be like, you know what? I'm thinking about pushing out the passionatephotographer.com. I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's it's tough to blog when you're busy, full-time busy, because like my blog doesn't really make me any money. So I, you have to, it's just like a personal thing I have to do. So I understand the, uh, the delay. Don't encourage him, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sympathizing with him. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. And listeners, don't forget, you can tune in to TWIP Live the last Thursday of every month, starting again in January this month. So the last Thursday of this month, just follow our Twitter or Facebook feeds, or just hang out on thisweekinphoto.com to be reminded. And to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, just head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to all of our online presences. And also, please support the show by leaving us a nice comment on iTunes. We read every single one of them, even the bad ones. And speaking of iTunes, check out the TWIP podcast app. It's a handy way to keep up with the shows as soon as they hit the feed. And we're also now available on Android devices. Android users can subscribe to the feed. Just check out the website for details. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com or mediabytes.com. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off.
This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.